Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Wednesday. I'm Dave Dufour here with Mo DeKeel and Seth Hartnow. So that means it's Nerder, she wrote. Uh, guys, a little bit of big news to wake up to this morning or go to bed to if you were watching CNN last night. Got a new coach in Milwaukee. Of course, Adrian Griffin was fired yesterday, halfway through his first season as a head coach, which is, you know, that's a bummer. Um, but it seems like Doc Rivers is going to take over and right the ship for the Milwaukee Bucks, who are currently second in the East. Um, we've talked a lot this season about Adrian Griffin and some of the struggles that he's had as a coach. Uh, Seth, Mo, we, we've pointed out the excellent offense that you're just destined to have because you have Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's no work to be done there. But defensively, this team was 22nd in the NBA. And this is a defense that features Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That is completely unacceptable. And I'm assuming that the defense is a large part of the reason why Adrian Griffin is out of there. Um, but let's talk about Griff first before we get to the doc part of this. Mo, uh, they, they struggled. Transition defense was just a mess half court defense wasn't really much better when you were watching the tape maybe the numbers look a little bit better but i felt like they were paper thin on the perimeter and obviously up front they're just god awful uh mo is it just the defense or or is that just the biggest piece no i i think the biggest piece is he lost the locker room and maybe the question is did he have the locker room at all at any point you know when he took over i mean Let's just run through again the, the litany of red flags leading up to this point. But, you know, the Terry Stotts, you know, uh, argument at a shoot around or a practice lead, leading to Stotts leaving the team. Red flag. You know, the uh, just a few games in the team saying, hey, we've had one of the best defenses over the past few years. Why are we changing things? We want to go back to the old thing. And, you know, it. Good on Griffin willing to change, but also dumb on the sense of like, why are you coming in and fixing something that isn't broken? And, you know, I think the other stuff is the Bobby Portis at the end of the in-season tournament when they got eliminated by Indiana really kind of going off. Giannis, multiple rants. I mean, everything from the equipment guy getting blame and having to do things better, which, by the way, Giannis, purely bullshit. Don't you blame the support staff ever for that stuff, especially the video guys. And I'm not saying that cause I'm a former video guy and I was offended. Um, and just across the board, you know, we had a game where Giannis subbed himself back in cause he was pissed off that he got subbed out. Like there was just so many different things there that I just, honestly, the defense as bad as it is, is something I think we all expected, you know, just looking at the, well, Damian Lillard stinks playing defense. I mean, that's just not what he does, you know, in the yeah. game trade. And I think the, but I think the problem is, he never got hold of the locker room and he never got bought, got buy-in. And we always talk about it. Coaching is selling. Coaching is selling and getting players to buy into your stuff and is getting them to buy in every day. And they didn't. And you know, that yeah, and now he's gone. Now that's it. Seth. Um, I I mean, I think that there's a lot of truth to what Mo is saying. Um, I think that the last point about coaching being selling, coaching being communicating, not just the players, but uh, you know, to to ownership, to to front office, uh, to sort of outside stakeholders. I mean, you like again, you have to be somewhat circumspect because I'm not like it's not stuff that I witnessed, but. You, uh, you heard even before the season started that, you know, part of an NBA coach is you, you know, give a talk to season ticket holders. And and there were people who were at this and like, oh, boy. And it's like, OK, his first time doing it, maybe. But I compare that to an assistant coach that, that I worked with in Milwaukee, Darvin Ham, who like had that room. 
Like if he was, if you, no matter who he was speaking in front of, he had the command and, and could, could communicate and converse with that. And that's part of that is, is also like, you know, we, we never, you never know with when assistant coaches like all the things they've done well to be a good and respected assistant coach i'm not saying they're all out the window but it's a completely different skill set and i think the un- overwhelming feeling of not even worrying about the locker room or or communication and stuff like that uh it just the 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 speed of what happens on the nba floor was was too fast for for him i think and it was too fast for this team for a lot of the years i think i think it wasn't just that the defense is bad and the transition defense has been bad it's the manner of it um sort of the frequency with which the bucks we've talked about this before have given up fast break layoffs off of their own makes which is something that is sort of it's it's like basic convert and match competency that was you know part of it is you know you're talking about basic competency well, that's a bud team, and so the, the the switch from that to 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 far less than was especially jarring. But just not having that, and it's frankly not that bit of it. Even as the team has has sort of won some games, and and I want to put a pin in that and, and get back to that. Um, that overwhelming sense of sort of not having control of the things you can control was was unmistakable for the entire season around this team and it's not something that you know all right first five games we're figuring out hasn't really gotten better over the course of the season no i I, the other thing too dave you said like offense isn't the problem i think some of it is like you know they haven't fully come on man we all thought we were going to get Giannis dame pick and rolls and there's a lot of reasons behind that we thought that would get spammed over the top a lot there's a lot of things that that need to be fixed on this team and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on some of that stuff. And there's some stuff that Seth actually had said as the trade happened for Dame. And I want to give Seth, you know, some some you know love on that when we get to it. But I just think across the board, this was just a poor job of deciding who the coach is going to be from the front office. This was a big job. This was a championship level job, and it was tough to give this to. And we've had examples of first year coaches having massive success and all that stuff. But this was a big one. And I think when you look at the fact that they passed on my all time favorite, Nick nurse to hire Adrian Griffin, um, I think it's a, uh, uh, a surprise there in that sense. And I just think it was more, you know, they were, they made this decision from what it seems like for Giannis and Giannis wanting this and wanting him as his guy and whatnot. And I think that's part of the problem as the front office, you know, uh, not, not selling Giannis on, Hey, that's not the, didn't seem like that was their guy. And it, you could kind of just tell by how quickly the support went away from him in, in, yeah. in the situation. But we should also just commend the bucks. A lot of teams would have just stayed through this for a year, you know, and, and, and said, oh, it's okay. He'll get better. He'll get better. He'll, he'll work out. They're in championship mode right now. That's their goal. That's their main thing. And I think this was just, I feel bad for Griffin because I think this was a really bad job for him to have taken. I put him in a very bad situation as a first time head coach. And I, I, I actually would be worried and wonder if he'd get another shot because of it. And it's tough. I mean, look, look, this is, I, I think that this illustrates just how hard it is to assess coaches until they've become a head coach and run their own program. I mean, this is one of the reasons why, I think Nick Nurse would have done a better job, right? Nick Nurse at a very at a minimum, he has run a program before and he's done it on multiple levels. Like there's no reason to think that there would have been a huge drop off. Um, and and my guess is as a guy who is coached at different places, I mean, continuity matters. So, you know, Nick Nurse coming in as a new head coach, not his first rodeo as a new head coach with an established team, as we know. And what did he do in Toronto? When, well, when he took over, he didn't come in, make wholesale changes. I mean, they were, they were lucky. They got Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, right? So they made some huge changes, but he really <laughs> kept it simple. And, and that's how, you know, that's how he, he had so much success, right? Like you, you can't just mix things up. And I wonder if, you know, some of these changes were just, it was too much too soon. Um, but again, like you said, Mo, is a huge job. I also wonder if the Bucks, it part of their reasoning wasn't well we have Giannis and look at what Boston just did last year Joe Missoula had to take over last minute you know but they had the same team this is the difference there the continuity if they had not made the trade I mean Mo 
this was your point. I don't want to steal it because you made this well, this point. Uh, but I wonder if Adrian Griffin's job isn't easier because he, if he had Drew Holiday, if he had just the continuity from last year. Well, two things. One, the on the continuity front, the thing about Boston that separates this is Missoula was at least on the staff and was, was well-respected right. on the staff and had that cachet and that equity with guys. But let me ask this question, because I asked you this, Dave, in our YouTube emergency show yesterday, and go watch that on YouTube if you need more Griffin coverage. Yeah, if you want more of this. Um, but, Seth, let me ask you this question. Is Adrian Griffin the head coach? If the Bucks knew that they were getting Damian Lillard, if we flip this around and the order of these things kind of happening and they got Dame before they got a new head coach, is is Adrian Griffin the guy you go with? It's an interesting question. I think the general understanding is that it was very likely they were going to hire an ex player of some sort as as the head coach so that that. Um, you know, the other names that are out there were, you know, you mentioned Nick Nurse, Kenny Atkinson. Um, I think that the the winds would have blown against them uh, just because of, you know, going like part of the, the you know, wanting to, to move away from Bud. It was someone who related to the players a little better. And so there was a desire for an ex-player. So I does that still mean it's 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 Griffin or does someone with, you know, some some more experience kind of get get the get the nod then i don't know that's a great question but i but i think that i think that was still like there was still a, a, a you know of the sort of up and coming x player assistance griffin is guy is a guy whose name has been at the you know at the top of that list for a, for a good long while and so it, it i i don't think it was a on its face it was not a ludicrous hire in the moment whether or not the trade was made um, it's again, you just sort of you you get you move to the big chair. Responsibilities change, as Dave said. Running a program is a completely different beast than you know being you know being a guy who's in charge of breaking down a, a, an opposing offense or defense or doing like like skills and vitamins training and stuff like that. Um, and it's you know this isn't the first time, and it will not be the last time that it, we've seen a respected uh, a former assistant get the head job and it just and just not be not be able to to do all those things i mean i think it's a long list oh absolutely right? no the, the, the closest analog i can think is actually he goes back a bit is you remember brian shaw was mm -hmm. again an, an ex-player a a respected uh guy who's a heady player in, in in his day was at the top of these lists for a number of years and then he gets he gets the chance and it just doesn't the same it was a very similar almost thing and just like ooh, just not really able to 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 command the respect of the players and be organized enough to 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 have it have it work and um and i think we we saw that and i don't think that the team that shaw took over was a team with the same level of aspirations oh, no. <laughs> as as the bucks so yeah um Something like something you you guys accused me of saying earlier uh, off air is that I was saying that the the Bucks are having a gap year and and I think what what my my opinion was if they it was basically a gap year if they did not make a change because with all the sort of the basic issues that they've been having they were essentially drawing dead in the postseason and so you had to do something to to you can't you know Dame is not young Giannis is Giannis's prime is not uh, eternal. So, you know, you can't you can't be punting on 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 those chances. Yeah, I, I will I, say this. It is really, really hard to assess assistance and, yes. and try to figure out who is going to make a good coach. Number one, from the outside looking in, you don't know anything. You have no idea even what his responsibilities are. Um, you just don't know. And then there's the human aspect of this. Like you're going to ask, like if you're going to hire Adrian Griffin, you're probably going to call up Nick Nurse, and Nick Nurse is going to give you a glowing review of the guy who was just his assistant. I mean, this is this is all we well, know how this works. Not when they're well, competing for well, the same maybe. job. <laughs> all right, fair, fair. Uh, but but this this being said, though, it's a it's a human relation business, yeah. and so like you might get, hey, he's the best. He's a great guy. He does all these things, and he does them well. But you don't know until he's in your shop. You don't no. know until he's in the house. So, That's, you know, it's all a crapshoot. And even with experienced coaches, I think it can be a crapshoot. Because what if a guy has just completely stagnated as a coach? It's not, And you're going to bring him in. It's not even that. Sometimes it's just a matter of you don't know how they're going to operate in your, in your organization, right? Like, we're, we're going to 
obviously talk about Doc in a second, but like Doc operated one way in Boston, came to L.A., different circumstances was team president, had a whole lot more on his plate with everything that he had to do. But he felt like he could just bring everything from Boston to L.A. And I would say one thing that's kind of, uh, you know, that I think teams have to understand what works in one city is not going to necessarily work in another city. You know, look, man, L.A., way more distractions. Boston, snowy and cold all the time in the winter. Ain't (laughs) not a lot to do. You know, in L.A., We, we have rain for three days and we think it's the, we're all building an arc. Like it's Look, a whole it all, different deal. Hey, it all Milwaukee comes back to wrestling. There are gimmicks that work in some cities and there are gimmicks that work in others. Ugh, and uh, I walk right into it. I, I, first of all, I, I just want to say Milwaukee nightlife is undefeated. It, no, it's not. Well, not in no. the winter. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Let's, let's move on. Um, I, I, speaking of new well, guys coming to town. We should oh, talk. More. We should just talk. No, I, I'm, I'm oh, going to right. upset here. But Seth, we should talk you. about the fact that they did just fire their coach when they were 30 and 13. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's what keep, people keep bringing up. And uh, I, I so you, Dave, you mentioned you mentioned second place in the East. Uh, if you look at like their non garbage time point differential, uh, they're actually 11th in the league per cleaning the glass. There, that w- which would put them. Let me do. do, do uh, I think sixth. They're, they're they're sixth in the East in point differential. They their record overstates their their overall performance by the largest margin in the league. On my sort of clutch performance stuff, they are the most overperforming team in the league. And the problem, that, and and I think it's no not an accident that this happened right after they played a close game against Detroit because they've played and won a lot of clutch games, but they're playing these clutch games against terrible teams like Detroit without. Cade Cunningham for a championship level team. That's an that's a game that should be over six minutes left in the in the third quarter. And instead it's it comes down to the wire. And yeah, they've they've pulled some of those games out. But if you play that level against a Philly, against a a Denver, should you make it that far? Against heck, against New York in a playoff series, I think you 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 put yourself in trouble. And I think so. I think the 30 and 13 is gaudy and nice. But this team has not played at the level of a 60-ish win team or anything close. I, I, I commend, again, like for their them recognizing that and not being fooled by their their record is is a big thing there. Because, again, yeah, it, they're going We've talked about it. this for years, right? We've talked about this particular aspect of uh, managerial decision-making for years with NBA teams. Bad teams hold on to bad coaches way too long. And this is a this is like a redux of what we just saw in Atlanta last year. Worst case scenario, you're getting your new coach in for next year, six months early. And I think that that even that head start is a huge deal. Although uh, let's talk about this now. Doc Rivers, it's official right before we started recording. He is now going to be the new head coach of of the Milwaukee Bucks. We don't have any contract details because they don't come out all that often on coaches unless someone's setting a record. I don't think Doc is going to be the new highest paid coach in the league. Uh, if he is, I hope that the Miami Heat, uh, you know, go give Spo a race because uh, he's the best coach ever. But Doc Rivers, officially a head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. They might not, Doc might not set a record, but the Bucks might set a record this year from highest compensation <laughs> to head coaches. because they're Paying three coaches at once. I mean, th- yeah. now this is, uh, this is, I feel know, like the light Knicks- years thinking. I feel like the Knicks still own that somehow. I feel like at some point they're. I still feel like they're paying uh, uh, Herb Williams. <laughs> As it, uh, well, I, I will say like, this: Philadelphia no longer has to pay Doc Rivers. So congratulations to the 76ers on this. Yay! Um, billionaires still keeping. Their all right, money. let's talk about Doc. I mean, I, I would say this: uh, as far as you know, my job goes here today. It's very easy. Seth, you know the Bucks as well as anybody. Mo, you know Doc Rivers as well as anybody as, as far as as a coach. 
Um, how is this marriage going to work out? I feel like you're trying to get both of us in trouble at once. I, I am. Respect that. Dave, no. I respect that. Dave yeah. trying to cause problems? Yeah. Never. So... So I think that at at minimum, like this, this, the, like a lot of the the baseline level stuff that we've talked about, that competency, that's that is, I expect that to come back. However, again, if you're championship robust, we've talked about this. I mean, I think that that um, Doc as a playoff coach is, I don't want to say is is questionable. I think we can go off, off far enough and say it's bad. Uh, the stat that came out that I that 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 I that I came out with when he got let go from Philly is that uh, the NBA as a whole, um, you know, uh, accepting game seven when one team's going to advance and one team's not, that the NBA as a whole wins over the last 25-ish years um, when they have a chance to close a series out, win about 65% of the time. Doc has won 33% of those games. I think the stat is in in, in up 3-1 and up 3-2, which which combined co- – uh, the league as a whole has closed out series around 62% of the time. He is, I believe nine and 19, his teams are nine and 19. And I think that is illustrative of, of sort of some of the, the, the struggles that, that I think his teams run into when you get into having to make the fine grain adjustments that, that are needed to happen. And that's, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people around, like people who were watching the Bucks who wanted to be supportive of Griffin were noting that one of the, the criticisms of Budenholzer was him being too rigid and at least Griffin was trying stuff. But I, I think this is a through line to Doc in that, like, when when in the past when we've seen him try stuff in the playoffs it's been when their backs are already against the wall and he kind of starts mashing buttons and that was a lot of like griffin's adjustments were adjustments were sort of the same it's you know you you think about to use another sport analogy since i'm at a i'm, I'm at a, a football conference right now is scripting plays to start a game it's you, yeah you're trying to score and stuff like that but you're also putting a number of different things out there to see how the opposition reacts to that. And I think the coaches that adjust well, Spo, Ty Lu, they make their adjustments with a purpose. Okay, that didn't work. Let's move to the next thing because I already know what the next thing is. I think that's something that that a criticism we've had of Doc over the years is he doesn't do that. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the this couldn't have played out more perfectly for Doc. If we're being perfectly honest, the – he was never going to get an opportunity to coach a championship caliber team until it's an in-season situation because all the other options are gone. They couldn't call up Nick Nurse. They couldn't even call up Mike Budenholzer and say, hey, man, get off that beach, put down that drink with the umbrella in it, and, you know, get your ass over here. Um, you know, I th- they couldn't really do that. So really just their options, like this is the only option for them if they're trying to get a – high caliber coach who, you know, he's won a championship. I mean, he lets us all know about it. It was 2008. (laughs) We're all very well aware of it. Um, He's kind of (laughs) lived off of that for a long time. I think the uh, big question is with, with doc is, you know, can he change the stuff that's gone wrong for them? Can he improve their defense? I don't know if that's a, a, a coaching problem or a personnel problem. I think it's more a personnel problem. And it, it, can he get Dame to lock in defensively? And what does that look like when Dame does that? Is he actually capable of that? Can he – I think he will do a better job of setting up the the Dame-Giannis pick and roll and kind of getting the message to Giannis that, hey, closing time is Dame time. And I think that's something that Giannis will have to adjust to and understand that. And I think that's something that's exactly what Seth was talking about when this trade originally happened was how willing Giannis would be to give that stuff up. I think Doc has a better ability to make that happen than Griffin. Like, you know, I think there's a, a going to be interesting stuff and wrinkles there. Look, Doc's a good coach. I don't think he's a mm-hmm. great coach. And I think yeah. that's the 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 difference here. They got the best coach that was available on the market right now. And I don't know. It's not like I look at that and go like, okay, they're a championship team now. Right. I, I will say I want to circle back to what you talked about with Adrian Griffin and losing the locker room. I think that, that is one of the bigger components of hiring Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers will have that locker room. I mean, one of the things like he was great in Philly with that. I mean, until, you know, obviously till the end when it wasn't. But this is how relationships go. We all know. Um, 
I do think that he'll be able to disagree, but go on. I I think, okay. Yes. Fair. Um, But I do think he'll come in and and he will have the locker room. Uh, This is going to be the most high powered offensive guard he's ever coached. Uh, You know, I just ran through like my Rolodex of guards that he's coached. You know, he's had Rondo, he had Chris Paul. This is the most high powered scoring guard he's ever gotten a chance to coach. I'm, I'm very curious to see what doc will do. Uh, with with a player the caliber of Damian Lillard. I, I kind of have an idea. I mean, I think Giannis is going to be involved in much more pick and roll. I, I think um he's going to have he's gonna have to play the oh it, Seth, thank you. Harden. James Harden. I forgot he had James Harden. Ah, okay. Well Damian Lillard. Okay. I would You're right. I, I I I think I forgot. That. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'd go that Dan. level. Um but but I do think uh we'll have a chance to see, you know, Doc Doc just took like six months off. I mean, maybe he's got some ideas. He has been consulting with the Bucks for about a month, it seems. So maybe he's had some time to dream up some fantasy sets that he would run if he were can to I, theoretically take over as head coach. Can I? Can I, I? I know Mo has a has has a has has a, a grievance to air a little bit later. I have a grievance to air here, and I am. We're all big boys and girls. I'm sick of having my insult, my intelligence insulted by the 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 very stage managed reporting of there hasn't been any like it's it, it, it this isn't beanbag this is pro sports right. of course that they they knew who they were going to hire they've been they've been working on that for and this is not me reporting this is just like this is how it works welcome this to, NBA to Earth. don't do this yeah NBA teams do not do this stuff for the most part on a whim they know what's coming next and it's just like plausible deniability that like because of like the sort of the unwritten rule that you don't try for another coach's job or whatever like bullshit we're trying to win a title here and so of course that they so the 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 the, the ridiculous song and dance about was there or wasn't there an agreement already like okay there might not have been a piece of paper signed but come on let's be adults here and and like you're not making this move without the next thing in place dude it was within 2 minutes his name coming up within the once the once Griffin was fired. Like I don't even think everybody got the news Griffin was fired when they started to hear that Doc was the leading candidate for the job. Like it's not a uh, uh, it's it was the most obvious thing in the world when that that's where it was going. You know, like I texted friends saying, "Oh, Doc's getting that job." You know, once CNN confirmed the report, I'm going to keep <laughs> harping on that CNN Sports. Once CNN Sports. You know, hit it. They sent me a text message. Mo, you called it. I said, I didn't call it. It was obvious. It wasn't. It was right there in front of us. Like, it's not a uh, I didn't know he was consulting, but like just the pure fact that the report came back so quickly and there were no other names mentioned. Like, yeah. And he it made sense. He was the only real option in that stuff in the way this all goes and the way that kind of plays out. So it's it's it wasn't a surprise by any stretch of the imagination. And yeah. You're not going to stretch this thing out. You know, you're not in this situation. You need to win games now. You're trying to get the one seed. I, I don't know if that's too far gone at this point for them in the standings, but you sure as hell don't want to drop to to third, you know, or, or, or even fourth because Cleveland's coming up. But like you don't want to you you don't want to stretch this out. But now the other thing is, and this is what's going to be really interesting. I'm very curious to see what Doc does with the staff. How many guys does he keep? Does he start? Well, he's got to keep his... Joe Prunty. You guys know how I feel about well, this. Well, I mean, Prunty, Dave, by the way, Dave will storm the, the castle. For a day. That's Dave right. Storm we need to keep Joe Prunty. I bet he coaches tonight, Dave, when they play Cleveland. I bet he coaches even their next game. I think Doc still needs to kind of get his all, all his stuff together. The weather here isn't that great in L.A., so I don't know if he's going to be able to go golfing today one last time. <laughs> but the uh, I think the opportunity is that, like, he – I think there's – he's going to start building his staff. So there is going to be yeah. changes there. It is going to be a bit of a transition. Like guys are going to have to adjust. It's going to be a whole different deal of of him kind of finding, figuring out his staff, who he's bringing in, and whatnot. And you know, I also hope Austin Rivers gets dressed and 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 ready to go. I imagine you know he he, he might get a call. <laughs> Please sign signed. him. Just I mean, their 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 backup point guard situation. Like, no, they need him. Been, they actually, they can use been, Austin Rivers. They can yeah. use him. Although, I'm not even. Being, I gotta I'm say, trying not to be a dick, but they saw can use Austin him. on TV the other day. He's pretty good. I I don't mind Austin Rivers on TV. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, Seth, you you got one more point before we put a bow on this. No, this is this is. I mean, it's, the the whole thing is like the coaching equivalent of a guy, free agent signing at twelve oh one. 
the uh, wow they negotiated that fast like yeah i just i'm i this is the, it, this is the kabuki of this just like it it it's so transparent and it annoys me and i i, I just, I hate that we we pretend to play this well, game. Well, part, big part of our job, and, and yeah. not to let you guys see the wizard or anything, but a big part of our job is pretending like we didn't know something was happening for a couple of weeks. You know, like I, why were we all so prepared for Pascal Siakam to, you know, for him to go to Indiana? It's because we've been talking about it for six months. Like all of this stuff is, you know, it, it's a it's a steamroller coming at half a mile an hour that we're watching just come down the road. I mean, like. This is all this is like when uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were in Utah and about 75 percent of my job was pretending that they had a chance to win a title. It's more fun if I pretend. So uh, <laughs> anyway, to put a bow on this, I want to ask you guys just up front because um, I, I don't look this is not a lost season, especially now that they that they pulled the plug and, and I think brought in a, a whether better or not a coach more suited to the job. Do the Bucks win the title this year? No. I mean, no. obviously the choice is the field, but do you yeah. see a scenario like can they pull this off? Oh, they, I mean, they have. I mean, they, they're they were drawing dead before, and they're and they got a chip in a chair now. Yeah, they have chances. But, yeah, their chances. So, I mean, I improve. think. But I think are they the? Would I have them in the top three or? four? four teams that that are likely to win the title i don't think so i think i think that i would have i mean i haven't thought of it in this way before now but i think i would have boston philly the clippers and denver all all i don't know but all favorites over them i mean who do i think is more likely to win the championship between them and okc that's a i mean that's a um like i think the experience factor goes to goes to uh milwaukee but i think from a talent and um you know uh mark daniel is, is is unproven as a playoff coach but i think we think extremely highly of him as a coach i think in a playoff coaching adjustment situation i think we'd probably lean okc that way also so i think but at the same time there's still a team you have to account for in 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 that calculation i would i would go hold on i would say this barring a trade I think they'd be in the top uh, – uh, they would be out of the top four, as Seth was talking about. What I would say – I want to I would make sure Seth hears this part here for a second. You know. <laughs> we had an <laughs> alarm going off in the background, so we had to go – And it was time. driving me nuts. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah. kind of a creepy way, as if like a creepy music sort of thing as Seth was talking. <laughs> and I was like looking over my shoulder thinking somebody was about to kill me. Um, yeah, this like aromatherapy hotel room that has like funny music and lights and like orange blossoms in the shower. Football just does things so much differently yeah. than, yeah. than basketball. But I wanted to say this. I totally disagree with you in the OKC versus Milwaukee thing. Listen, as great as OKC is, there's a lot of unprovenness of them in the playoffs. Like, they're awesome. I got to watch them up close, and I'll be honest with you, they struggled against the Clippers. They got beat by the Lakers twice. Like, the way I look at them, like, I know it's kind of the lull of the season and whatnot. I would put Milwaukee ahead of them. Not saying OKC doesn't have a chance, but I'm just saying Milwaukee's chances got to be higher than OKC if we're looking at comparing those two championship odds, but you're right. And they're out of the top four right now, barring a trade where they can bring in a guy like Caruso or something like that. Um, okay. So that <clears throat> that's a pin on that one. Uh, more big news that we can react to guys. We had a trade yesterday, Terry Rozier leaving Charlotte, the black hole of suck that the team is being traded to the Miami heat. What an upgrade. He's traded for Kyle Lowry and a 2027 first round pick. Um, Seth, you're doing like field goal. No, like, I know, so a field goal this, here. This is, this is so I have before we like you said mentioned the back black hole of Charlotte. Um, Charlotte is, I believe, 10 and 11 in games that are in the clutch and 0 and 20 in games that aren't. Their largest win, their largest win this season has been by seven points. There hasn't been, I've only gone back to 1970 71. But the, in that time period, there's never been a team that didn't have at least one double-digit win in a, in a season. So Are they, I, are they like, worse than the Pistons secretly? No. They're, I mean, they're I mean, 30th in net rating. They have less talent. 
I think. They, they have they have less talent, but the uh, um, at least they I mean, play the talent they have. What a better coach. So <laughs> yeah, they, um, yeah, no Detroit or or for for purposes of what they're trying to achieve, maybe they're 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 more they're worse coached. Like they like achievement in achievement in uh, in draft pick uh, equity. Uh, Oscar goes to you know yeah. That's a fair point. Ooh. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Um, uh, let's talk about the Kyle Lowry part of this real quick because Rozier is actually, he's going to play in Miami. He's going to be a part of a contender. And Lowry is likely going to be a buyout guy. Um, unfortunately, the new CBA makes it fairly unlikely he's going to be able to go play for a contender. Um the, the, the new tax rules, they, they prohibit, you know, signing buyout guys. And that's rough, man. Kyle Lowry, I think, could contribute. I mean, we talked about the Bucks needing a backup point guard. I mean, you know, it, it, could they could he fill in there and help them out? I, I just don't think he's going to get the opportunity. They can't sign him uh, um, like Phoenix can't. I think the one team that um, – uh, that 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 can is is Philadelphia, which is you know is from Philadelphia also. So, um, well, could, uh, could we handle Joel Embiid and Kyle Lowry on the court <laughs> together at the same time? <laughs> that would be a lot of falling down. Uh, I, I actually I, I hope he signs in Philly. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, but now let's talk about Terry Rozier part of this. Uh, obviously, Miami. I don't know how they do this. They're always in the mix. He is a huge pickup for them. They they've needed some more potent guard play. They need another guy who can can score a little bit because that's been one of their big problems this season. And Terry Rozier is a guy, I mean, he's played in the playoffs. He's got experience. I, I, I like this fit a lot. Yeah, I like it for Miami. It makes sense. I mean, just replacing Kyle Lowry, who really wasn't giving you much, hasn't really fit with the team, to be honest, ever since he got there. So, like, it's an upgrade in that sense. You know, how much of an upgrade is this? Like, okay, you go from maybe the sixth seed to the fourth seed. Like, I, I don't know. Here's the thing about Miami. You always have to be afraid of them. Just because the way they, the way the organization operates, the way Spo gets the most out of everybody. You know, like, I'm going to take a shot at Portland. Brace yourselves, guys. I know you just had the ice storm, but here comes some heat. The How bad does it look now that they just had no interest in Jaime Jaquez? How bad does that look? Because that dude's a baller. I I don't think they had. I think that the Heat had no interest in trading them. I mean, Hakez. They could have gotten. Is, they could have gotten Hakez if they if if in that situation. I honestly believe that. And if they really pushed, they didn't even. You know what? They would have never known because they didn't fucking engage. But that's a whole other story for another time. But that's that's a massive miss for them. He's better than anything they got in that trade. Just next just, on Five Reason Sports. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> wow. Wow. wow! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, no, no, but uh, like, so but, I think. Go ahead. 
But I just think with Miami, like that's a great fit, tough guard, everything that he does, his, his, the, the game, like I think him and Bam in the second side or, or DHO actions in the second unit are going to be something to really kind of watch for at the end of the day. Like this team's a playoff team. And that means that, and they're, they're a pain in the ass when you have to play them in the playoffs. So like, I don't know if it makes them a, puts them up in the contender list or whatever, but I think it puts them in a, a better position than where they were just for purely upgrading on the fact that Lowry wasn't giving them much. And Lowry has looked washed every now and then we'd see flashes, but that was about it. I think, I mean, it, it, one way to think about this is Rozier is going to give them like the gold plated version of what they got from Gabe Vincent last year. Right. Like he's like, don't disrespect Gabe Vincent. I no, I'm not disrespecting Gabe Vincent, but Terry Rozier is like a, but a a similar, like, like, like maybe undersized combo guard, but very physically tough. And and you know, an athletic fits Miami spirit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He is a Miami heat guy. And, and, you know, Loki has been, you know, has turned himself into a very effective shooter. And, you know, he was, we had, had never hear about him because he's in, you know, the, the, the vortex. Black hole of Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, no, it's a, it, it's a, it's a good pickup for them. Um, be interesting to, to see if this kind of, you know, not to look too far ahead, but we are entering trade season. If this sort of sets a, well, I think it's a pretty reasonable market for like, um, you know, players of that level, good play, good, but not star players like, you know, an expiring in a first is uh, it's not nothing that Charlotte said it's a decent. I think it's a decent deal for Charlotte. So, um, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen teams, uh, you know, step forward. Fred Van Vliet, we've uh, seen teams kind of play themselves by just by by not saying yes to a good offer for for players in this kind of situation. And so maybe, maybe that helps set the market at a more rational level. And we see some of these, you know, the, the Malcolm Brogdon's and, and whoever else you want to say are the, the, the interesting kind of last piece targets around the league kind of do end up moving uh, towards the deadline. I mean, I think also the other thing is this is probably the start of a fire sale in Charlotte. They're trying to get more picks. You know, I don't think they'll find a home for Gordon Hayward, but they're going to try. You know, and that's another guy that would probably qualify for an expiring and a first as well. Um, maybe not a high first, but I think like, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of stuff circling around them. So it's a good move for for Miami. I don't again, it's, it, it, it helps them. I don't know if it makes them a, any more of a contender than not. I'd still be afraid to play them in the playoffs. You know, like they're just a tough ass team, plain and simple. I mean, this team is built for playoff. Like we're just ask all the teams they knocked out last year. All of them, you know, like they're a tough team. And I think that's going to be the challenge for them kind of going, I mean, challenge for everybody else going forward is this team got a little tougher. Yeah. Um, you guys watched Joel score 70 the other night, right? Yes. Okay. Number one, I, I'm going to say this. Victor Wimanyama was incredibly impressive in that game. Incredibly impressive. Yes, offensively. <laughs> Nobody's guarding Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid was absurd. Absurd in that game. Mo, I, I have this. We, we talk about this a lot off air, but I'm going to bring it onto the podcast. There is a perception that Joel Embiid is just bum hunting. And I know that the San Antonio Spurs are a bunch of bums outside of Victor Women. Yeah. What Joel Embiid is doing the last few weeks, especially, I mean, he's averaging 40 a game for like his last seven, 16 or 17 games. This is insane. This in the modern NBA, like this just doesn't happen. I'm I'm more just tired of the whole conversation around Embiid now at this point. In the same way, I was tired about it with Giannis. I was tired when we did it with Jokic. I was I mean, we've done it with everybody. But it's okay, none of this shit matters until he wins a championship or has playoff success. Yes, Embiid has had Playoff failure after playoff failure after playoff failure for a variety of reasons. Some of it's incredibly bad luck, like, you know, the new coach of Milwaukee keeping him in the game. That's obviously a blowout and he takes an elbow to the face and has an orbital fracture. Like there's a whole bunch of different weird things that have happened around him. There's also been just massive playoff failures around him, right? Like losing that game seven against Atlanta. That's also on him. We can scream about Ben Simmons all we want. He had like a thousand turnovers that game. There's all of those things. But I am just tired of constantly every time a guy has something that's amazing 
and an accomplishment to play down something to scoring 70 points in a game to then go, well, he's got to do it in the playoffs. Fuck off. That only 14 guys have done that. Okay. Like, just get the fuck out of here with this. I'm tired of it. Okay. Yeah. We're going to be on these guys. They can't do it until they do it. We've done it with everybody and it's tired. We did it all the way to Jordan. Jordan used to just be considered a guy that you can't win a championship when motherfucker won six. No, oh, I'm dropping a lot of F-bombs. Sorry, Dave. Um, <laughs> you're, 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 you're doing, I mean, it's just unbelievable in that, like, we just can't enjoy it, you know, and it's all that stuff. Yes, he's beating up on bad teams. He's supposed to beat up on bad teams. That's right. Like, what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to torture Wemby, who, who who couldn't cut up, keep up with him physical, physically. He's supposed to destroy Zach Collins. Like, come on, man. Like, what are we supposed to do in all of this stuff? Like, he's doing it within the flow of the offense. It's you not know? his and fault Philadelphia plays Detroit 18 times a season. Bring it it's up with the fault. schedule makers. But, like, the constant just uh, do it in the playoffs. And we did this with Jokic. We did this with Giannis. Can't get it done. Can't get it done. Da, 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 da. All we care about in that sense. I'm tired of it. Let's enjoy the stuff that we're getting. And if he never gets it done in the playoffs, that will be part of his legacy. Unbelievable regular season player. Great. Because I'm going to watch his ass in the regular season. Because he's doing amazing things. And it's incredible efficiency. I've never seen a big man hit the mid-range jumpers like this since Dirk. Like at that point where it's just so comfortable and so easy in that regard. I'm just tired of it, man. Just go. It's to the point where even Embiid brings it up in post-game press conferences. Won't matter until I do it in the playoffs. Like, come on, man. They're, um, you know, Embiid and Jokic uh, as big men, three level scorers is so hard for us to wrap our heads around. I think um, his mid range game is just absurd. Uh, what one? The other thing that happened that night, I don't know if you got a rant on this one, Mo, but I, I hope do. you do. A big man scoring sixty two in a game and getting benched down the stretch. Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he might have, you know, I was texting with Ben Taylor from Thinking Basketball. He said that Carl Anthony Towns may have had the fastest 50-point game in NBA history. I, I'm sure he'll, you know, do a video if that's the case. Uh, but he was hunting. And apparently the story came out that at halftime, the Timberwolves saw what Embiid did. And they decided, hey, Cat, how about we get you 70? And they lost to the Charlotte Hornets. In, I, in a clutch game. Changed, in, a, in, a, in a clutch game. <laughs> in a clutch game. <laughs> the only way Charlotte wins. Yeah. And Terry Rozier was great in that game, and that was his last game. Am I wrong here for feeling like I'm a little bit out on Minnesota right now? It's unserious. Yeah, thank you. It's it, and and I think that and um you know, we've gone round and round on cat and sort of uh you know most point is well taken about Embiid. Uh he does I think to for to be in the level of the conversation he would like to put himself he does have to do it in the playoffs. That's all true, but the difference between like Embiid and then Cat in terms of of that level of trust is just a, a, a huge margin. And I think this 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 game is is such a perfect encapsulation of that. It's it's everything we're afraid for the Minnesota Timberwolves in the in the playoffs right decision making being smart being mature they kept saying that at the end of the post-game press conferences talking maturity 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 not a surprise mike Conley didn't play that game and all the maturity went out the window the difference between the 70 point game that Embiid had and the 62 point game that towns had was Embiid's was in the flow of the offense it's how they've operated and then he just dominated they were gunning for towns trying to get him everything and the dude ran out of gas and i think that's the important thing there and that took them completely out of their rhythm that took them completely out of their flow they built an 18 point lead and charlotte came storming back in the second in the fourth quarter and a lot of it had to do with the fact that cat was gunning to the point that finch just said screw it i gotta put you on the bench man you're killing us and they weren't even defending and bead was doing all the other things in that game that he played he had like 18 rebounds 
in that that, that seventy point game. That gets kind of lost in there. It was like eighteen or seventeen, something like that. He was dominant in that game. No, I mean, he was all over was, the place. Yeah, and, and he, five assists. Like he was making great passes. He had a beautiful dime to uh, Kelly Oubre underneath the basket on a cut. Like there's a bunch of different things. Cat was gunning, and you could see it when you watched the two. I watched both of those. I broke both of those down on my Twitch stream. And just saying, like, you can kind of see the difference in that game, in that stuff. And I think that was the uh, the the difference between the two was one was in the flow of the offense. The other one was gunning for it. And not to say Embiid doesn't gun for things. Oh, He's yeah. continuing I mean, he was, to try listen, this 30-point scoring thing or what? I think the 70-point game was a little bit of gunning. It's yeah. a, that's Victor Wiminyama. I'm going to I'm gonna put him in the basket as many times as I possibly can. But, hey, guess what? It's a great strategy. <laughs> I, I like that's winning <laughs> basketball. Carl Anthony Towns and, and I'm look, I'm not going to be one of these guys who's like you're 6'10, why you're shooting all these jumpers. But you're 6'10 and you can dribble and you can do stuff. You don't you don't have to live and die by the jump shot. As a matter of fact, Carl Anthony Towns, if he had made the same evolution that Joel Embiid has made into a true three-level guy where he's got this mid-range game, so you you know, you if you guard him at the three-point line, he can get to the mid-range, he can get to the basket. I think we feel differently about him, but also, I mean, it's the defensive end. He doesn't bring any of the intensity that Joel Embiid does. And Joel Embiid brings that intensity against the good teams, the bad teams, and the in-between. And and that's the difference between those two guys. I mean, I just felt like the dichotomy between the 70 game and, and the 62-point game was, was fascinating because it's two incredibly talented players, one extremely serious and one that I just I – just, I just don't think he's ever going to win anything. It's his ninth year, and we're talking about maturity. Yeah. And, we're and, always going to talk about it. He's just not a mature yeah. dude. It's like you well, said, and, unserious. And it's and and I think that that you know there's a there's a stat we've talked about a little bit, which is turnovers. Cat had seven. And if you want to look at one of the Achilles heels, I think that the Timberwolves face as a as a playoff team is um, okay, both Cat and Nas Reed, like, okay, for big men, they can shoot a little. They can put it on the floor. The problem is when both of them are very turnover prone when they drive. And so this is, you know, I think it's a, is it a skill set thing? Is it a maturity thing? It's some of both. But I think that you're going to see in the playoffs that there's going to be a lot of them getting crowded and then trying to dribble into traffic and trying to make a play and, and, tossing up bad shots or charging or getting picking up a charge or just losing the ball in traffic and i think that that's going to that's going to prove to be something that really gets in the way of of them being able to play the way they would want to play uh in a postseason setting well i think that this is a pretty good place to stop for the week uh, unless you guys got anything else before we close up shop no, I used all my F-bombs. Yeah, you used all your F-bombs this week. All right. Well, uh, for Seth Partnow and Moda Kill, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder, she wrote, on the Athletic NBA Show.